Hello and welcome to Thank You Come Again. This is an e-commerce podcast sponsored by Wonderment, where we dive into the actual strategies that leading D2C brands are using to not only make their customers come back and buy again, but have the best possible customer experiences. I'm Blake and Burl. I started my career as a retention marketer, and now I'm focused on being a shepherd of knowledge for you and others on all things retention marketing. You won't find any top 10 guru guides here. Instead, I want you to walk away from each episode with battle-tested and actionable insights that's going to help you to move a needle forward and driving repeat business. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to this special edition of the Thank You Come Again podcast brought to you by Wonderment. This is episode number one of two, meant to put a bow on what's been an amazing season one of Taika. I want to give you my number one takeaway from each episode and sort of a TLDR, too long didn't read, of each episode. I've had the absolute privilege and pleasure over the last four months of interviewing some of the most intelligent and seriously awesome folks in the D2C space to learn how they're getting their customers to come back and buy again and again. This episode is going to give you an opportunity to hear from each guest, decide if what they're saying interests you, and then you can go listen to the full episode uh, if you want to hear more or learn more about what they're up to. Before I dive in, I want to announce two quick awesome things as well. Number one, if you haven't left a uh, review of the show yet on Spotify or Apple, please, please leave us a review. It would mean the world to me if you could. This podcast is brought to you cost-free and reviews are a great way to make sure we can continue to reach more and more community members in the D2C space. The Tegapod uh, has also been streamed in over 30 countries and counting, which is absolutely mind-blowing for me to even comprehend. So thank you for that. Um, also, if you can, please share this on social with your friends, whether that's your favorite episode or just generally sharing the show. It would mean a lot to me. Feel free to tag me as well. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Number two. Season two is dropping very, very soon. We have an amazing lineup of guests and we've already booked and recorded several of them. Uh, So I cannot wait to share those episodes very soon. Just a few interviews of what you can expect include two CPG legends and Jay Carls of Midday Squares, Will Nitza of IQ Bar, Adam Turner, CEO of Postscript, uh, to discuss retention-focused SMS. We've got Everyman Jack, True Religion Jeans, Casely, uh, so, so many more that I haven't even announced there that I cannot wait to dive into. This season is going to get more ambitious and dive deeper into strategy to help you become a better CX retention marketer and generally this e-commerce mind. If you want to be a guest on the Taika Pod, please shoot, shoot me a message here, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Blake at Wonderment.com and let's talk. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a huge shout out to Wonderment for making all of this possible. If you own a D2C business, I highly recommend you give us a look to help make your CX or customer experience better. We're the number one e-commerce platform loved by support operations and marketing teams to uh, really deliver the most holistic post-purchase experience imaginable. We are the retention iOS used by over a thousand customer first Shopify brands like Jones Road Beauty, Igloo, The Ridge, Simple Human, and more. You can get a free trial of Wonderment if you're interested. Just visit us at wonderment.com and let them know that I sent you. And now, without further ado, let's dive into the first eight highlights of season one. I'll be posting part two next week, so stay tuned for that. Whether you're watching this on LinkedIn, links in the comments, or if you're listening to the pod, let's get into it. All right, so our first highlight comes from a topic that I'm maybe just a little bit passionate about, and that is transactional SMS. 
I truly believe that transactional SMS is one of the biggest opportunities in D2C right now and is a true relationship building tool for direct-to-consumer brands. Jess Servion is the head of CX over at Feastables, and in this episode, she breaks down how Feastables is using transactional SMS with Wonderment and Postscript to start organic conversations with their customers. We went deep into scaling customer relationships and leveraging tools like SMS to make it happen. There's been a lot of talk about SMS being this relationship building tool, but I think really little exists in the way of what it actually looks like to do that. Enter here, Feastables. This is a brand to watch out for, I think, when it comes to relationship-focused SMS. And they've injected clever conversational starters in multiple areas, including their on-site website banner, um, inside of their transactional emails, which are seeing crazy engagement rates, um, and then inside of their transactional text with things like, hey, text us if you've got any questions. And the results have been phenomenal and played a large role in their retention, their overall customer experience, and keeping things like CSAT, NPS, and customer effort scores at remarkable levels. Um, I've been beating this conversational SMS, transactional SMS drum for years, and it makes me super, super proud to see use cases like this uh, come to life and to be able to tell that story to the audience as well. So let's listen to what Jess has to say here about transactional SMS. I also want to talk about on the SMS side of things too, like you have on all of these texts to start the conversation. And I'm curious if you can just talk about like, what's the purpose for that? And like, what's the, what kind of conversations are you having with customers uh, through something like this? Yeah. So, I mean, I like said, I mentioned this already, but like SMS is our favorite channel. Like SMS hands down is where we are investing in. We are, and I don't mean in like a, a money perspective. I mean, in like we're investing the time to build that channel out because what we found from launching on day one is that our customer base, they want to chat with us. They want to talk to us. Right. So from day one on the bottom of our website, we always said like text fees to 69420 to like sign up in our, on your list. Yes, of course, like we're, we want to build our list. Who doesn't? Marketing. You want to do the jams. But we also want to have this as like a transactional area where it's like we can offer you support. We can give you that randomness view. If you need help, we're the, on the other end of your phone to help you. Also insert why I had to build a bot because we did such a huge call out to 69420 that we've had like, if I told you thousands of tickets, that is a disservice to actually how many tickets we ended up with. Wow. We, at one point, like when we first launched, I think we had like 15,000 in one week. So hence why I had to build them up. <laughs> so, but my point is though, it's like this, this is a transactional channel. It's like, it's to be there to be informative. It's to be there. So you, it's like, we can give you that support. We can, we can help you with those inquiries, but um, it's also just an avenue where we can literally engage with you. We want, we want to talk to you. We want to talk to you. We want to like be able to, you know, support you, give you a joke, like, but like really retain you, retain you as a customer and build that brand loyalty, but give you access two feastables as if it was your best friend that you're texting i love it and it's like the conversation lives in your pocket and you know throughout that you're just leading with value for them to get in touch if they need to and it's really interesting that you talk about this so i came from an sms company called tone and we mm -hmm. built an entire business around conversational sms and we actually ended up getting acquired by attentive and now that's in the attentive platform 
long story for another day. But basically, like what we learned was that um, conversations really build that trust and that relationship with the customer and they love yeah. to do it over text. Like there's that yeah. high affinity. And when you create those moments like you've done, I, I think you know, you're you're definitely giving great context to really the why behind you should be making your text channel two way and, and conversational. So I, I absolutely love that. I don't say this much, but everyone in D2C e-commerce needs to hear this next conversation. Joanne Coffey and Eli Weiss of Jones Road Beauty joined me earlier in 2022 to record an episode on what I believe to be the future of the top tier customer experience and retention marketing team collaboration uh, and how they're going to work together and grow profitably in the future of D2C brands. This episode will immediately change how you think about retention marketing and customer experience for the good, I hope. In this episode, we covered a lot of ground, uh, but some things that we talked about, including frameworks for creating higher value customers, closing the gap between marketing and customer experience and service, how to optimize the pre and post purchase journey through education, how to collect and then take action on customer feedback, personalization tricks with platforms like Klaviyo, Octane AI, Attentive, etc. What the Jones Road Beauty, Beauty uh, team is focused on in 2023, and we're a little bit into it, but things they're planning for the whole year. Um, and a lot more. This is one of my favorite brands for what really great D2C experience looks like, as you're going to learn from this episode. And that's not just because they're a Wonderman customer or I love Eli and Joanne. Um, I think they're just doing seriously insightful things and everyone can learn from them. Um, so without further ado, let's take it away to Eli and Joanne from Jones Road Beauty. Most retention marketers are like, okay, what is the easiest way to get the most money the quickest? Um, which is why, and this is like my, my biggest pet peeve and, and I don't stop ranting about it is like, this is why upsell is so hot, right? It's like their wallets open. Let me see how much more money I can squeeze. So let me upsell them before they add it to the cart on the slide cart. Let me upsell them in the actual shopping cart. Let me do a cart hook post-purchase upsell. And then I just ordered from a brand last week before I even got my product, I was sent multiple campaigns of selling me more shit. Right. So, and, and that's, and the data, and Cody and I talk about this often, like the data tells us this story, right? That if, if a customer ordered from you, they're much more likely to purchase again within 18 days. days. And it's like, yeah. or whatever that is. And I'm like, respectfully, um, like, fuck the data for a second. And let's <laughs> think about it from a consumer perspective. It's like, is this ideal? Like, is this an yeah. ideal journey? Imagine you walk into a Whole Foods, you buy a can of Olipop and on the way out, they're like, you should grab another one. And I'm like, I've, I've never tried it. Like, let me go and drink this. And then you can. And I think that we've, we've isolated data from like reality very often because it's like, yeah. well, the data will tell us the story, but the data doesn't tell us how customers feel about your brand when you spam them 19 times in six days before they even got their product. And that's mm -hmm. kind of this broader, I mean, my obsession with, with having retention and CX live together and holistically across the business is that we're not just looking at how much money we can squeeze tomorrow. We're looking at like Black Friday retention, I mean, carried massively. Like we brought in a crazy amount of revenue from, from, from repeat customers. Some of them haven't purchased 150, 250, 300 plus days, right? So it's like we've taken this approach of going, going slow and along a broader customer journey versus just spam, spam, spam. Um, and now I'm rambling and going way off topic, but, um, <laughs> this the is basic, great. This is great. no, the basic gist is like, I think there's, there's this, there is this small Venn diagram of like the things that work and the things that don't make your brand look desperate and gross. Um, and that's what we're always looking for is like, okay, if there is like, for example, mascara is our example here of like, we know if customers grab mascara within order number one or two, they have a higher likelihood of having higher LTV. So 
it's not the most expensive product. Like if somebody spends $65, can we upsell them to buy three different Miracle Bomb shades and have them spend $107 on their second order? Probably. Right. Is there a high likelihood they buy all three of them and absolutely hate it? Also probably. But if yeah, we sure. kind of go smaller and we say, okay, spend $84 on your next order and grab a mascara, sparkle wash, and a whatever else. Um, that's the kind of thought processes that, that Joanne has every day. It's like, how can we, how can we do things that make sense both like, and we'll get the money from them, right? So like our best customers are buying 12, 19, 24 times, but it's not, it's not over three orders. So, you know, instead of like getting $300, never seeing them again, we're, we're getting a hundred dollars per order over 19 orders. And I think the long game we're playing is, I mean, not, I think I, I know that it's, it's serving us quite well. And when the growth marketers hop on the, uh, hop on the Twitter comments and say like, but you could have gotten more money quicker. It's like, yeah. I mean, you can also sell your brand to private equity and, and move to the Bahamas and kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of live your life there. I mean, it's just, it, it depends on the game you're playing and the game we're right. playing is, is a game of legacy and a, and a really incredible brand that we're building. I think the retention marketing narrative being pushed by a lot of SaaS companies and we won't name names, but is really that <laughs> customer buys product, you know, you send them an email or text. They're so stoked to see it, you know, Hey, we're going to cross sell you buy more customer thinks it's so personalized, they buy in their customer for life. I mean, that's really the, the narrative that's been peddled, I think, in a lot of high level education. And so I know I'm being a bit dramatic here, but I, I actually think many folks don't really know quite the order of operations when it comes to post-purchase communication. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you think about like what, what actually matters post-purchase? Like what do you try to get in front of a Jones Road customer to make sure that they have a great experience and that this doesn't feel like some kind of, you know, pushy or just really inauthentic sort of um, e-commerce strategy? Absolutely. And this is such a timely question because me and Eli and our coworker Sydney just redid our, our post-purchase flows. So this is perfect timing. But when it comes to our main products, we looked at our top sellers and the return reasons for those top, top three products. And what we did was we took those return reasons and we educated right before the package gets to their house. And so it says, you know, Thanks for purchasing Miracle Bomb. Here are application tips. Here's how you apply it for your skin type. Dry, normal, balanced. There's different ways that you have to apply these products depending on your skin type. So it's very helpful to know that before the package arrives. And then we have, you know, another section of how to use it with other products. If they purchase, you know, lip and cheek stick, if they purchase the light moisture cream, there's so many different, you know, hide show blocks that we can incorporate into this post-purchase to help the customer use the product correctly. So then that way they see success with that product. And so when it comes to post-purchase, we've looked at those return reasons. We've identified why a customer might not see success with this product. And we've laid it all out and we've set super clear expectations on all of these, all of our top sellers. And so that's a good starting point. If you're a new brand trying to, you know, put up your post-purchase, start with your best sellers where the majority of your, of your orders are coming from. Start there educate your subscribers as much as possible and you will see a longer return. And so starting with education and then coming into using the product with different, different products, just like I said, so miracle bomb with what the foundation or face pencil with eye cream. That's the way that we're looking at it right now. All right. Up next is a spicy take from an awesome episode. And that take is just because a customer buys from you once doesn't mean they're sold yet. Continue the post-purchase experience and you'll have a customer for life. That comes from Ash Malwani, the CEO of the health and wellness brand, Avi. 
And he tweeted this uh, above the other month. And I knew when I heard that I had to have him on that pod to come and dive deeper into what it actually means to create a lifelong customer. Um, Avi is really doing a lot of awesome things in the post-purchase journey. And Ash has learned a hell of a lot along the way from scaling his bootstrap business from zero to $30 million in revenue. And I think he brought a lot of value in this episode on what it means to take a one-time shopper and turn them into a customer for life. We covered a lot of ground in this episode, but we talked about how Avi has approached customer retention and what their post-purchase journey looks like, lessons that he's learned along the way of scaling bootstrapped, how to use content marketing to really increase purchase frequency. Uh, Avi crushes community, obviously. So we talked about the, how they've grown to over 45,000 community members and a hell of a lot more. They're one of my favorite brands for the really kind of intersecting content and community and then just having this sort of like really great growth marketer mindset. Um, I think you're going to learn a hell of a lot from Ash in this episode. Uh, so let's dive in and hear what Ash has to say. Um, you wrote an absolutely just thought provoking tweet that I <laughs> wanted to just base this episode really around. Um, yeah. And I, I'll read the quote uh, for, for uh, quote to quote just to kind of sum it up, but we can kind of dive into it. But you wrote, just because a customer buys from you doesn't mean they're sold yet. Continue the experience post-purchase and you'll have a customer for life. Um, can you talk about like what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there are certain times where brands are, and, and I've, I've fallen fault to this too. It's like acquiring a customer at all means necessary, right? Um, does that mean that they're going to be a high quality customer? Does that mean that they're going to come back you know, another time to make another purchase? Um, that those are things that you have to consider because when you do acquire a customer, just because they've bought from you does not mean that they're fully sold on the brand, right? Mm -hmm. You got them into the door, you got them interested in whatever you're selling, whether it's a solution to a problem, right? So for us, it's anti-aging. Uh, we're selling a solution to that. You still have to continue the process of nurturing them post click, post purchase, post delivery, um, you have to educate the consumer, right? So for us, for example, taking collagen, right? Like it needs to be added to your daily regimen. It's not something where you take for two days and all of a sudden your hair is going to stop falling out, right? It needs to be added. It needs to be like a, an entire life change where you're taking this every single day and you're seeing noticeable improvements later down the road, right? So that whole concept of taking it every day, that needs to be somehow... I guess through maybe email, through SMS, through whatever other channels that you may have, maybe it's a blog on the website, whatever it is, you have to find some way to educate the consumer while they're taking the product so that they continue to use the product, right? They're not going to be sold until they see the results that they came in for. So taking them down this journey of like, okay, day one, you know, you're going to try it with this recipe. Maybe in a couple of days you want to try it with this recipe. Oh, by the way, you can bake with it. Um, here are some results that our previous customers have saw. Um, here's the results they saw at day 30, day 60, day 90. Like those are the things that need to be brought up to that consumer as they're taking it because one, it'll motivate them to continue taking it, right? Like changing a Changing your like routine up is very difficult, right? I mean, I'm sure we all fall fault to this where, you know, you have your daily, you know, 
wake up and do this, 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 and this, and then adding something into the mix is definitely a little bit difficult to, to, to continue doing. So you have to be able to do that. And it's very tough to do that nowadays because like your interaction time with the customer is very limited, right? Right. Open rates are whatever they are, they're anywhere from 30 to 50% on email, SMS, you know, it is expensive to hit every single person. And, and most times, you know, people aren't leaving their, their phone numbers as much. Um, so how can you like get the value in front of somebody when they're like have the the shortest attention span, right? So that I think is once you're when you're selling online, you're selling a click with your ad, you're selling a product with your landing page, and now you're trying to sell them on your brand post delivery um, and making sure that they come back month two, month three because they actually enjoy the product and they're seeing results. All right. Well, it didn't take me too long, folks, to bring back the transactional channel, but I'm bringing it back for good reason. Uh, and I asked the question to this next guest, does transactional communication influence retention marketing? Cameron Feist, the director of e-commerce at the CPG brand Ourobora, definitely thinks so. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Cameron. It was actually the first podcast episode that I recorded. Uh, and we covered a lot of ground in this episode and we talked about a few things. How Ourobora thinks about customer retention in a competitive CPG space. How transactional communication is a customer experience and retention hub what their transactional setup looks like with Wonderment, how shipping delays are actually becoming CX opportunities, and what keeps their customers coming back to buy again and again. I think Ourobora is just crushing it in the CPG space for a lot of reasons, um, and they're using the e-com channel in a really clever and effective way. If you're looking for best practice around CX, retention, or just CPG, definitely recommend checking out this episode. Let's listen to Cameron share why the transactional channel is becoming so important to Ourobora. So we're to talk about now, like with retention and transactional, like what role does a transactional channel then play and like how you think about retention marketing, customer experience, like all that stuff? It's huge. It's a good question to ask. And I think it's becoming more and more relevant in, in today's market. And what I mean by that is the journey is only like 25% complete once someone places the order. There's so much as merchants that's in our hands and out of our hands, and we do our best to control our controllables and let all that other go, which is really hard to do. But one of the things that we can control is just over communicating with our customers. So the introduction of Wonderman into our tech stack was a night and day difference for our CX team because it allowed us to really take advantage of being proactive with our consumers in terms of your order is delayed or your order is on the way or it's stuck in pre-shipment, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And that role of CX, and I think there's a broader understanding of consumers just in the market that we're in that stuff doesn't always go to plan in terms of D2C shopping. So being able to be proactive as the brand and write an email to a customer said, hey, we noticed that your order has been delayed or it's stuck in pre-shipment based on the wonderment trigger. The feedback that we get from our customers on that, just an extra level of care, we will see that for sure pay dividends in the future knowing that they're going to engage in the brand more, communicate with our team more, and hopefully that drives more retention. I'm sure that we'll be able to see that data connection in a few months here. Totally. Yeah, I think, you know, the proactive side of it too, and, and being, you know, leading with empathy. I was talking to another Wonderman customer, Jess, uh, head of CX at Feastables, talking about similar yeah. things too, you know, just uh, being a thousand steps ahead of your customer and being able to have those things in place. Like, those are the things that, you know, when they do get in touch with Ourobora, you know, they've had that proactive and transparent communication. It's a totally different mindset um, than if, you know, there was no communication. 
their order's been delayed. They have no idea what's going on. Like those are the little things I think that really at the end of the day make the big experience um, you know, just that much better. All right, seasonal product drops can be absolute gold mines for driving repeat sales. But how do you craft a winning e-commerce strategy around seasonal drops? Well, I went to Ari Murray, the VP of growth over at Sharma Brands, and she broke down her entire seasonal drop strategy for every D2C brand to copy. This episode had so many nuggets of wisdom and generally just good advice that I would have paid a lot of money to listen and learn from her. But in it, we covered a few things. How to time a seasonal drop and stand out from your competition. We walked through the entire strategy from how to orchestrate email SMS to nailing your offer to the paid media behind it. How to nail upsell cross sales in the cart, post-purchase, and on the order tracking page. Which brands are crushing seasonal drops? So we mentioned brands like Liquid Death, Road Skin, etc. Um, Ari's favorite tools for powering the whole experience, including Klaviyo, Rebuy, uh, Unbounce, Postscript, and Wonderment, and a hell of a lot more that I didn't even cover there. If you're running an e-commerce or retail store, or just want to learn the pros and cons of really how to run a seasonal drop, look no further than this episode with Ari. Let's listen to what she had to say. Let's uh, let's play a little bit of like hypothetical then. So let's say um, I am a sparkling water brand. I drink way too much sparkling water. Um, and so let's say I'm dropping a special peppermint sparkling water, which I have no idea if it tastes good or not. I, I, sounds That's like nice. Good. Refreshing, minty. Maybe, maybe like once a gross. Once a I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let, let's pretend it's like the best. Everyone loves it. Um, we're dropping it uh, to celebrate winter coming. Um, and let's also say, you know, this skew has, you know, been dropped for several years. It's become a cult classic. Maybe everyone loves peppermint sparkling water. Um, walk me through like what the strategy would look like for a winter seasonal drop then. So if it's like a skew we're bringing back, is that what this is? Yes, correct. Cool. So if we're bringing it back, then maybe even like October 15th, which would be like two weeks ahead of when we would drop it, like end of October, we email and tell like our existing list of people who have purchased it at least once, like maybe we like gray it out or do something to like let them know like something's coming back or winter is coming, something to like let them know that like you think you know what's coming but we haven't said it get them excited then i would tell the rest of my customers like maybe just two or three days before so everyone else on my list who hasn't ever bought this skew like send an alarm like cult favorite i would use proof of what happened last year so i would say like hundred thousand cases sold or 4.9 stars from fifteen thousand like hungry or thirsty customers or whatever it might be and I would just like really hype it the day before I would say what it is. And then I would text a link like to a landing page that has it bundled as we actually drop it. And I would drop it first to the people like on my list for a text who bought it last year. I give it them like an hour in advance to be like, you guys flipped for this last year to reward you and to like bring back your favorite, say hello to peppermint water, um, like drink up. And then I'd be like letting them know that we gave it to them first because we're grateful. And then I'd give it to everyone else. Then I'd wait three hours, then post it on social. Then I would like hit the gas on my ads. I would convert my homepage, but I would like slowly phase it in with respect to who has paid for it before. And then I would like pretty quickly take it away. 
Love it. There's so much even to unpack in that too. So we've got, you know, a little bit of getting a head start, the star treatment with our, you know, past customers using email, SMS as sort of that instantaneous communication. Um, and then, you know, ultimately just creating a lot of hype, it sounds like and kind of anticipation for this drop. Up next is just generally one of my favorite human beings and Canadian friends and someone who I think is fundamentally changing the reviews and UGC game for Shopify merchants. That's Stuart Arsenault, CEO over at Junip, and he gave us a reviews in UGC masterclass for D2C e-commerce brands. His view is simple. Yelling at your customers to get reviews and UGC is not the way of the future. Instead, orchestration and timing are key to capturing quality reviews. In this episode, Stuart and I touched on a lot of things, but we talked about how to capture higher quality reviews, how to forex UGC submissions easily, timing and orchestration best practices, and hint, Wonderman is actually a big piece of how to make that happen, how to optimize review capture motion, and what the future of reviews in UGC looks like. I'm such a fan of Stuart and Junip and the team uh, and what they're doing to really revolutionize the re reviews in UGC space. And I think they're a really great example of what great can look like with reviews. So without further ado, let's dive into what Stuart had to say. You know, like you said, over 80% of people, you know, on mobile, like leaving reviews is just insane. Um, but I, I guess on that note too, like, are there any other ways besides optimizing for mobile as we think about leaving reviews? Like, are there some other best practices or things that we can think about to just make that experience better? Yeah, we, we say uh, we, we want to get as close to where, when, and how customers are most likely to leave a review. And so like the the mobile part is like the, the, the where, but also like the sending of the review request is another big chunk of that. And so we've done some things to, to prompt people uh, in places they're already going, um, such as like an account page or subscription page or order tracking page. Um, so we have what we call review links where a brand can embed a CTA in a bunch of different places across their customer experience that somebody's going to go after they've already made a purchase and they can just be prompted to leave a review there. I think like maybe backing up from like a feature perspective, um, if, if we think about like how brands have gathered reviews in e-commerce for the last decade or two, it's really just through like yelling at customers. Like it's these post-purchase emails and the, the biggest like innovation we created to get more reviews was yell at them more. Like instead of sending one email and now we send two or three. Um, we don't think that that's like the best choice for you to make uh, to have like a sort of like increased lifetime value and like increased customer happiness. Um, but there are all these customers who like actually really do want to leave you a review. It's just too painful for them to do it. And so if we put this CTA in places they're already going, or if, if the way that we request the review through those post-purchase um, requests is a little bit more like tactful and a little bit, uh, a little bit nicer through either like making sure that we're sending it on the right time by pulling in wonderment data um, or like the sort of shipment and delivery tracking data to, to trigger that actual review request, as well as sending on the channel that, that they like the best. So if a customer is most likely to, to leave a review through email, we should send them an email and we should do that through Juno, or we should do it through Klaviyo. If uh, they're most likely to, to leave a review through SMS, we should send them a text and we should do that through whatever text messaging provider uh, a brand is using. 
I think that's a really good call out. You know, you know, not yelling at your customers is like one of the you know most important things to think about. Like we have so so many things as marketers um, that we have to communicate, and you know, like the post purchase journey can feel really crowded in a lot of ways. Like you know, this thing we're trying to solve for at Wonderman is helping to kind of solve like kind of what that experience looks like pre you know delivery. But like I mean, after delivery, like there's a lot of things that are fighting for attention. It's like the review requests, it's the subscription reminders, it's the um, content onboarding education like all these things and so like i think what you're saying is really important to sort of keep in mind is like orchestration is key channel affinity is key but also like looking at more intelligent ways to just display it too like customers do want to leave reviews and talk about it and i think like that's really admirable how you're kind of thinking about the world is like it's not only just yelling at your customers like there's a lot more you know that we can we can do at this day and age and and like if if we take it out of the review context it makes it really really clear what we're talking about here which is like if if you just want to increase revenue from email marketing for example um and you just want to increase revenue for next week like the way to do that is scream at your customers send them five emails a day and like you're going to increase revenue next week but you're going to piss off a lot of people and you're going to pay some long-term costs for that and so it's really clear when, when you look at it in like that lens, for some reason, reviews has kind of been like sitting outside of that and hasn't been thought of in the same way. And, mm-hmm. and like, of course, we're able to just spam people to leave a review, but, but we have to think about it in the same way. All right. This next one comes from the king of email and SMS content, and that is Mr. Ben Zettler of Ben Zettler Digital. Email and SMS programs that focus strictly on sales fizzle out really fast. You're likely on a few of these lists yourself, and you probably know the frustration that I'm already talking about. Every week, you get clockwork texts like, sale this, sale that, buy my shit, and you either buy it or you opt out. And the data actually backs up that you're going to either buy quickly or you're just going to opt out altogether. And it's truly making email and SMS sort of like these echo chambers for uninspiring and boring sales-driven messages. But an intentional content strategy is truly what separates vanilla from great when it comes to getting customers to engage. And Ben certainly knows a thing or two about what great looks like and how to break that mold after working with over 300 brands since 2014. Uh, In this episode, Ben and I chatted about all things content and how it can make your email and SMS and social channels points of deeper connection and ultimately getting your customers to come back and buy again. We discussed a few things, but we talked really how to develop a meaningful content strategy on email and SMS, how to integrate social into email and SMS, brands like ProMix Nutrition, Cold Plunge, and more that are doing great jobs of doing this, uh, the tools that he's using to make this happen, like Clavio, Gatsby, Wonderman, and more, and how to just generally stand out in a crowded vertical through content. I truly believe that content-led email, SMS, and social programs are really the way of the future. I'm not you know, saying anything unique in saying that, but I think it's just so important. And I uh, highly recommend you listen to Ben here and learn a little bit more about how to be better with content on email and SMS. So let's listen to Ben, what Ben has to say here. Retention channels over the last few years have sort of become like echo chambers, if you will, for recycled sales promos and just uninspiring content. I definitely have seen this myself, you know, as I've watched more and more brands double down on email and SMS. Um, Can you just talk to me a little bit about the importance of content? Um, You know, I know it's a pretty wide kind of thing here, but just any broad strokes there and how it can really help to build customer engagement. 
Yeah, 100%. Um, it's going to be different for every business, but it's core essentially to everything that you do as a brand, as a company, as trying to ultimately sell something online. I mean, that's at the end of the day, at least in, in my world, in our world, that's that's what everybody's essentially doing here. Um, you know, I can think of a couple of really great examples of, you know, folks that I've either worked with, worked for that, um, that do a really good job of just not, not being the, Hey, here, get this 20% off, you know, Hey, here, get this, uh, you know, it's, it's new, there's only a hundred and you know, it's 20% off. And then, Hey, here, we were running a 40% off sale. And then, Hey, now we're running a 60% off sale. You don't want to be that because you're, you're, um, you're not in theory, adding much value to the customer experience. You're not adding much value to you as a company. You're just really like undercutting your own margins and, and losing money. Um, so yeah, content is, I hate, I hate using like buzzwordy phrases, but, but content truly is king. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, just, just one example, Promix Nutrition, which is a client of mine. Um, they're also a, a user of, of Wonderment. So a quick plug there, but, um, Promix is a brand that does a really great job of engaging with users on social media in the, the fitness, sports, sort of lifestyle type of community without, you know, just jamming it down people's throats that, you know, here we are selling these products and releasing these new products and, you know, putting sales on these products. In fact, they never, they ran, aside from last Black Friday, which was their first sale ever, they ran a, a you know, a special sale to celebrate the birthday of one of their founders over the summer and that's it. But um, the more important point being that um, for them, it's all about the content that they're putting on social from a network of influencers and, and ambassadors that they've built, um, workout tips and recipe tips and, and things that have to do with the products that they're selling, certainly. And, and that's part of where the selling of the product comes in of, you know, if you want uh, 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 like a, a protein, like chocolate protein balls that are taking uh, protein powder and, you know, and that's part of the recipe for creating that really delicious, nutritious snack. Um, yeah, sure. They're selling there, but um, it's adding this extra layer of value to the customer experience that is um, going to be a whole lot more effective in the long run. And we've seen it then, you know, just batch and blast. Hey, here we have this new product. Hey, here, you know, here's this sale. Now for our final episode, this one comes from my conversational commerce counterpart, and that is Stephanie freaking Griffith. Conversational commerce, SMS, email, quizzes, etc., has been touted as the better approach to building customer relationships. I've spent the last five years of my career working on this thesis, first as a retention marketer, then at Tone, and then Attentive, and then finally coming here to Wonderment. Um, and Stephanie has really a unique view on conversational commerce. Her and I sat down to debate and chat all things conversational and answer once and for all if all the hype is actually true. We covered a few things in this episode, including why conversational commerce can mirror the in-store experience how instant load pop-ups have ruined or actually benefited maybe the customer experience. We debate that kind of back and forth. Um, strategies for monetizing conversations on email and SMS. Cool tricks uh, with platforms like Klaviyo, Attentive, Octane AI, Postscript, Wonderment, and more. And then loads of spicy takes along the way that are really awesome to, to dive in and debate with her. Um, this one is a must listen for anyone doing email and SMS or just generally looking to build better customer relationships. So without further ado, let's dive in and hear from Stephanie. 
you're going to walk into a store. Typically, they're all decked out for the holidays. You're going to start perusing. Maybe you're shopping for yourself. Maybe you're shopping for someone else. But the first thing that happens is typically a store associate will come up to you and have a conversation. I used to work retail. Before I did the corporate side, I worked in stores as a, as a retail associate. And it was the best part of the job was getting to be like, hey, welcome in. What are you shopping for today? How can I help you? What are you looking for? And it was so natural. Um, you know, you'd try not to bombard them. Typically, you'd, you'd give them some uh, a chance to kind of start looking around. You'd, you'd zero in on who was clearly going to be in the store for a little while. And then you'd go talk to those people to say, can I help you find the thing you're looking for and make this a positive experience? We don't see that happen on online. Um, it's interesting, like we, especially now, I think this is an element that has actually gotten worse. And it's, that concerns me a little bit. I can't go to a damn website right now without immediately seeing at least three pop-ups in my face. So you get the cookies, of course, it's like, Hey, you have to accept this. Um, you know, we, we use cookies to track you, whatever legal jargon it has, it has to be shown. So that pops up within another nanosecond, I'm getting the, Hey, we want your email. We want your phone number to get a measly 10 or 15% off of your purchase. And then the awful statement of no, I'd rather pay full price if you want to close it out. And then even after that, we're getting like live chat bubbles or other kind of like flyouts and things that are just such a distraction that you quite literally don't even get to walk into the virtual door, if you will, and start to have that conversation. They're just saying, give us your information. It's so backwards. That's just right. not how it works in real life. And so I think that's ultimately the breakdown of we didn't pause and think about the best elements of real life interactions between people when it comes to retail and commerce. And now we're scratching our heads as to why some folks aren't buying from us or they're not sticking around. They're not opening our emails. They're not clicking our text messages. And it's like, well, shit, did you try? <laughs> did you try to have a conversation? And I would say my answer to that still is a resounding no. We're getting better at it for sure. Um, we're definitely getting better. But yeah, ultimately, people just aren't, they're not having that conversation. They're not treating people like people. You literally took the words out of my mouth. I feel like speaking to my ethos of who I am, what I've been trying to, to say as well. And I feel like the, I want to zero in on a few things there. I think you mentioned this sort of like uh, the in-store experience that we're used to having with you, you walk into Abercrombie, someone's there to help you. You know, maybe you need, you have sizing questions. Maybe you want to say, Hey, do you have this in this color? Whatever the question case use case is that experience right there is so critical to building that trust and relationship with Abercrombie, the brand, just as if you were in a D2C store, if you had that same level of conversation and quality of experience, like you would feel much more confident, I think in your purchase too, or being able to even make that conversion happen. Yep. I think that's such a, such a key element that I think we lose sight of. And then also like on the uh, bombardment of things and the, the misalignment of priorities too, it's like you come in the store and, and the first thing you're seeing is all these things rather than being helpful. It's like, they just want things from you. And I think that's such a, when we were, so when I was at Tone, we built a whole business around, you know, just having human interaction with customers. And like, one of the things that we focused on was like, be there to be helpful, but don't bombard and don't overwhelm people. And when you're there to be helpful, it's like you open up the door to conversation, to relationship building, all these different things. So it's like, I think you're really right in saying it's priorities, um, but also thinking about how you can naturally just invite that conversation into. So there you have it, my friends. That is eight takeaways from the first eight episodes of season one. I'll be back next week with the final seven episodes of season one and leave you with the season two sneak preview of my interview with Adam Turner, CEO over at Postscript. 
Definitely don't want to miss this one. So make sure you subscribe to Take a Pod if you haven't already and get notified when that drops. Again, if you haven't done so, please leave us a review on Spotify or Apple. It goes a seriously long way in bringing this zero cost to you resource to more and more folks in the D2C space. And finally, a big shout out to Wondermint. Again, the number one platform loved by e-commerce support operations and marketing teams. And they use Wondermint to deliver the most holistic post-purchase experience imaginable. Wondermint is the retention iOS used by over 1,000 customer-first Shopify brands like Jones Road Beauty, Igloo, The Ridge, Simple Human, and more. With that, friends, thank you for listening, and I will see you all next week.